and welcome to the makers.deb podcast episode number five chris how's it going uh, it's going pretty well thanksgiving's this week so getting ready for that otherwise just chugging along how about you same also getting ready for thanksgiving was thrown off a little bit i'm currently in st louis having a very small family gathering for thanksgiving that uh very excited about and i'm very proud of how well i was able to pick up and be productive in a new city like i've got my whole setup here i've got my camera and my microphone and uh, i've gotten a lot of real work done here did my homework for the assignments for the, uh ali abdul's video making class uh I'm, I'm i'm getting much better at finding the minimal things that i need to be productive and getting those set up very quickly also very excited i'm talking to you right now on my new m1 macbook <laughs> ah, it's so nice it's so fast but the camera's weird. I don't like it. My face in the webcam. I look like a I look like a Ken doll or like a like an NPC. It it smooths out your face in a way that I don't like. It it looks very unnatural. So uh and because it's Big Sur, the link to use my Canon camera as the webcam doesn't work because they haven't updated their software yet. So it's a it's a whole thing. Uh that, that's how I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I saw that kind of the uh the difference on your Twitter feed. And yeah, it's the 2016 laptop looks way better, which is weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wondering, I'm, I'm hoping that's not something that's hard-coded in the M1 chip that they are doing this signal processing like on the processor and maybe it's a thing that they could push out a software update for. Uh, yeah, I think so. Like I, I think I read that the camera is basically the same camera. So it's just software yeah. that's changed. So, yeah. Okay, that's that's promising. Hopefully they change the software so it, it doesn't look so terrible uh this is this is one of the things that i'm envious of you being on a uh shifted upgrade cycle from me the camera is such an obvious thing that they're going to upgrade in the next iteration of these that on on whatever the macbook pros are that have the m2 processor they're gonna put like <laughs> a 12 megapixel camera up there and oh it's gonna be great and have automatic bokeh people aren't even gonna need these fancy uh canon or, or sony cameras uh so <laughs> For now, it's I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, <laughs> am I just gonna look strange in every video chat I have for the the next few months until I upgrade? I'm, it's it's not ideal yeah. and such a trivial thing to be complaining. You can always about. look at like uh, so Snapchat has the uh, like the Snapcam, which applies filters to oh, your face. Yeah. You could apply like a, a worse filter or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do I'll do one of the face swap filters. Yeah, yeah. But I'll swap it with a normal looking picture of my own face. <laughs> Sorry. Perfect. That uh, that sounds great. Or uh, the Mhm app. I, I think that's how you say it. Would also do something similar. Uh, that'll be fun. On the on the areas where it matters, this thing just screams. It's so nice. Uh, oh, editing is just like butter. On my workflow on the MacBook Pro from 2016 that I had before this as a, an i3 processor, and I had to transcode the video into proxy media, so it's like a, a smaller version so that Final Cut could even go through it and, and play it at normal speed. That's what inspired me to like try to make my own video editor earlier this year, which was just a terrible <laughs> idea. Uh, and then even with that proxy media, it would still choke and it would still crash. Oh, it was a pain. And on this, regular media, full-size, 1080p. Uh, I haven't tried 4K yet, but it seems like it would just blow through it just fine. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm playing it back at twice the speed, and it, I'm having these weird composite angles of multiple cameras at the same time. It, it, beautiful. And Oh, it's, it's such a... There's not very many areas in my life where I feel like it's a straightforward decision of spend money 
to make more money. Uh, that that this is a, a clear area where you can pump money into and it's making your life immediately better. Uh, I feel like I've... Uh, when, when I stumble on those things, I try to pump money into it and they're, they're far and few between. It's, it's easy to like spend money frivolously, but I'm in trying to spend it, actually getting uh, an output out of it is difficult. And this felt like, oh, so straightforward. Yes, of course, <laughs> I can spend, you know, $1,800 and everything I do is faster if it involves my computer. Of course. <laughs> and it's going to last me like another five years. Yes. Ab- oh, can I do that again? Yeah. Can I do that yeah. twice? Yeah. Uh, I had a similar, it, I had a similar experience when I upgraded to fiber internet, like a few weeks ago, like everything is faster. And so it's like, why mm. didn't I do that sooner? And it actually costs less, which is ridiculous. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Um, I saw something on Twitter today about like how, you know, we worry about like two or $3 difference in groceries in our personal lives, but in our business lives, mm. it's like you can drop two grand without even thinking, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, I think, I think your, your experiments to try to like, you know, like pay professionals for their advice or, or pay more money in your own life to kind of optimize it like a business, um, mm. have been very interesting for me to hear because it's like, yeah, where, where can <laughs> I spend money in my own life to like really optimize things like I might a business, um, yeah. yeah it's hard spending money is a is a skill and i'm so inspired going through this class with ali abdal he has a machine of like four people doing different things in his life that he's paying to just boost his rocket ship of a business it's it's beautiful to see um and i feel like i feel like this has been very important for me as someone making software that businesses are using i took so long to adjust to the idea that my software could be worth $500 a month to someone. That like, oh my God, the, the imposter syndrome that I felt. <laughs> like, what idiot in their right mind would spend that much money for something that you could just, you know, you could spend two days learning about SCP and uh, setting up a, an FTP box. And uh, why, why would you, why would you uh, do this? Uh, or you could, you know, learn the Dropbox API yourself if you were going to do that. Which is the way that I was approaching that problem from the mindset that I had at the time. So, of course, it seemed ridiculous that, that people would pay that much money. And now I feel like I'm shifting much more towards this business owner mindset of $500 is not a lot of money if it's making you more than $500. Right. <laughs> and uh, and uh, is, is not that much time. And, like, that's the context that, that businesses are thinking about uh, software purchases in. It's not this sort of perverse personal scale of if something is a lot of money, which is like comparing it to uh, uh, eating out at, at Chipotle or something of like anything above $10 is expensive. It's it's a machine that you're building and it doesn't matter how much something costs. What matters is what's the cash flow that you're getting out of it? Is this making you more money or saving you more time than it costs? And if the answer is yes, uh, pump money into it, of course. Uh, so I... I, I in practicing this myself, I feel like I have been able to offer businesses better services and, and be a better uh, B2B software provider. I can I can be optimizing for, for things that actually matter of like, yes, you're going to pay me a little bit more money. And that means that I, I'm catering exactly to you. My goal is to save you as much time as possible. You pay me this money and you'll never have to think about this problem again. And that will enable you to make so much more money because you can have so many more clients because you won't have to be thinking about the the complexity of dealing with uh, all your different clients files that's that's a, a valuable mind shift i feel like i've had yeah yeah it's a great way to think about um business business transactions when it comes to like software and yeah i need to make the same shift you know like yeah 
business software can be worth a lot of money if it saves time or or produces value. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have one more thought on this related to the YouTuber course that I'm taking. Uh, it, it's just got my <laughs> it's got me chewing on all these thoughts, uh, and then we can we can dig into the uh, status update, it, which is it's so interesting. Uh, being in this group of people that are very focused on sort of the opposite problem of people in the in the software micropreneur space. I feel like people in the software space approach business from the side of how can I build a valuable thing that I, I have all these technical skills that I've built up and I want to be the, the, the place where they're struggling is attracting an audience for that thing and, and the, the marketing side of it. People in this YouTuber course seems like have a natural inclination to build an audience and share a problem and, and make videos and, and help people that, and, and a big part of what we're learning in this course is how you then monetize that. Uh, and so approaching it from both sides of, oh my gosh, if, if you have the skills of being able to build something valuable and you have the skills of being able to communicate why that thing is valuable and build an audience and uh, relate to people, that just seems like a killer combination. Imagine, you know, if, if you're a mediocre software developer, you're not going to go very far. Uh, and, and you sort of have mediocre business development skills. And if you're a mediocre YouTuber, you're not going to go very far. But if you're a mediocre software developer and a mediocre YouTuber, holy cow, like, <laughs> you, you know, if, if you're getting uh, whatever, if you have a thousand subscribers on YouTube, that's nothing. That's, that's a pittance. Uh, it's been funny seeing Ali like go to some channels and just, just <laughs> trash them for like, oh, this person only has 20,000 views. They're not taking YouTube very seriously. Uh, but a thousand people who are routinely subscribed to videos that you're watching, if that's a narrow audience and you have software where you can charge them $500 a month, well, you're making 500 grand a year now. <laughs> like, it's, it's uh, oh, it, it, it has me so excited of uh, developing both skills in parallel. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Of, of how, where, where do you feel like you are on that spectrum of, uh, I, I think specifically what I'm asking is, you have an unusually big following of developers. I feel like more so than the average business developer uh, who, who started a technical business, you are thinking much more deeply and, and purposefully on uh, building an audience and, and uh, making content for them and not just building products for them. Uh, how, how are you framing that? What's, what's your relationship with the, the marketing side of business? Yeah, so I felt for a while now that um, the f kind of the future of being successful, especially as an indie hacker or as a you know a solo person, is to be able to good to, to be good at producing content. So like good at mm. either blog posts or videos. Um, probably the the more high fidelity, the better. So um, you know if people get used to seeing your face on YouTube, that's great. Uh, podcast is kind of below that, and then blogs perhaps below that because they're kind of interchangeable. Um, mm. But the the you know. The more you can get better at content creation, um, the better you'll probably do. And that's one reason that I've, you know, invested in trying to figure out how to do content creation, you know, like sustainably and, and well. Um, I feel that I'm still quite bad at it, though. <laughs> um, like, hmm. I feel I, I, you know, the classic kind of developer bootstrapper where I feel very comfortable building things. I don't feel that comfortable pushing what I've built or, you know, getting people to interact with what I've built. Um, the the only way I really know to interact with people at a large scale is to just provide a lot of value for free. And I haven't mm. quite figured out how to capture that value yet. Um, so 
I that's kind of what I'm working on is, you know, like I, I, I see I see exactly the kind of person who you're talking about, sort of, you know, someone who's a semi good developer and a, and a semi good marketer who, who just kind of kills it. And so I'm trying mm-hmm. to develop my marketing, you know, content creation kind of um, chops as well as the development that I have. Uh, yeah. So I, th- I think if you're in this game as kind of a solo indie bootstrapper, you have to you have to have both. That's an interesting framing. That's the 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 way you're describing the area to improve is different than I would have described it for you. Of it, it sounds like you're saying you you have the ability to uh, build an audience and you have the ability to build software, but the the skill that it sounds like you want to be developing is uh, monetizing that software. Of you 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 know how to build an audience through just offering things for free and, and content creation and pushing that out there. And you know how to build useful things, but you don't know how to capture the value of building useful things for that audience. Is that fair? Yeah. W- uh, without feeling like I've, you know, sold my soul or something, you know, like without right, feeling right. slimy, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I could talk about this for so long. This <laughs> is such an interesting topic. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, okay. One more quick point of that. The the feeling slimy is a feeling that I relate to. I, in I'm hearing so many of the the bootstrapper ethos uh, echoed in going through this YouTuber course of here's the formula for making content that will be the most successful of uh, things like look for videos that were already popular and uh, go to different watering holes and mine them for topics and uh, see what people are already searching for. And I'm approaching this sort of just as a fun creative project of practicing making videos. And so I don't really want to do that. Like I want to make, I want to make the videos that I want to make. Right. Uh, and, but I'm seeing, of course, if I was, if I was trying to optimize for success, like making, making something that was most valuable to the market, uh, I, I would want to be acting in a way that would f- make me feel more slimy of, uh, making, making the content that I think the market is demanding as opposed to, making content from a more genuine place of, uh, I'm, I'm making art for art's sake. I'm, I'm making the art that I want to make. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting dichotomy. And I think you feel that too with, with things like, uh, async.dev that is not necessarily a thing that it sounds like you went about doing market research in, in a slimy way. We're like, ah, oh, what's, what's the thing I could build that would make me the most money. Uh, it sounds like it was a thing that like you just had to make <laughs> you had a, a creative compulsion to, to bring it out into the world. Is that fair? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's definitely something where I was just like, as a developer, I want this to exist. And so I'm just going to make it <laughs> and I'm doing, I'm listening. I, I always listen to a lot of kind of bootstrap podcasts and, um, I'm doing exactly the opposite of everything that they say to do. <laughs> And we'll see how it turns out to <laughs> tune in next week to see how it goes. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just something that I, I want to exist. I, I ha- like it. It's also something. So I'm, I'm relying on, you know, a decade of professional experience to know that businesses actually do need this. Um, so mm. it's not a shot in completely the dark. Like businesses mm. need to communicate, especially remote businesses like employees need to communicate with each other. And so anything that facilitates that probably has a place somewhere. Um uh, but, but yeah, like I'm, I'm not talking to people first. I'm not <laughs> doing customer development. I'm not doing all the things you're supposed to be doing. And so it will be interesting. Um, the one thing I am doing is I made a real conscious effort to build it, build in public is the kind of the, the keyword there, but like just put out progress reports during the day as I complete things. Um, mm-hmm. mostly on Twitter. That's kind of where I, I live. Um, so and that has been interesting because I've gotten people reaching out to me, you know, saying they want to try it. So 
that that is some validation, although not very much. Um, I also reread. Um, so uh, Derek Reimer uh, started Level and then worked on it for a year and abandoned it. And that was sort of similar, which is kind of like an asynchronous Slack kind of thing. Mm. Um, mm. And so I reread his post about why he abandoned it. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm solving some of the same problems he was. <laughs> Maybe this is not a good uh, thing to work on. Um, but, but in that case, so he was working on Level as a replacement for Slack, whereas I'm working on async... Uh, one, just because I want it, but two, because so so I see Slack and async.dev running in, in parallel. Slack is more like real-time, one-on-one kind of communication, and async is more like one-to-many asynchronous communication. And so they sort of fill different buckets for me. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, we'll, see, we'll see where it goes. I'm doing everything wrong, and we'll see where it goes. <laughs> That's, there's, the, there's the title of this episode. Uh, <laughs> Okay, this is a great transition. Uh, last week, you asked me to uh, hold you accountable for this week uh, getting one person on async.dev and also starting your small project with uh, the community developer uh, that you might be partnering with. How did those go? Um, I did both of those things. So I guess that, that oh, went well. Amazing. Yeah, I got, Good job. I got one person on async.dev, exactly one other person. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, you did it. You did the thing. That's right. Um, I also have another team who wants to use it. Uh, this week is Thanksgiving, which is weird. So I'm waiting until next week. Um, that also allows me to polish some of the uh, rough edges I know they're going to run into. So next week, I'm going to try to onboard this other team. We'll see if that works. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I started the other project. So um, the goal for that one so that one's interesting it's like meeting place in a lot of ways but it's going to be different and separate um but it i'm able to reuse a lot of what i did for meeting place for that so Hmm. um so that's good because i can iterate pretty quickly and i think within a week we'll call it two weeks because this week is thanksgiving but uh Hmm. in two weeks or so i should have like a, a prototype that she can use to actually run events um and yeah, that'll be interesting to see where it goes. Kind of like what you're talking about. If in one person you have a developer and a marketer, then you've got mm-hmm. something good. But here, hopefully, we have a partnership between me, a developer, and her a marketer, community builder type person. So yep. um, I'm really excited to see you know how she can run with what I can build and, and see where that takes us. Yep. Yeah, that sounds ideal. Uh, having... I, I We've talked about this before, but I think having a partnership with someone who's sort of handled the, who is the audience for this and how do you contact them and um, how do you make the pitch of why this is valuable and how do you, how do you choose features that are important to these people? Uh, just being able to have a, a person who can solve all those problems for you and uh, you just need to worry about the development stuff that you love doing and uh, are, are very good at. Uh, yeah, that's the perfect partnership as long as you're uh, taking it slow enough that uh, you can evaluate uh, if this is actually a person that you like, that you work well with, uh, the biggest risk I think in this sort of arrangement is <laughs> you, you sign a contract with them and then, uh, things fly off the rails and you gotta, you're, you're now, uh, strapped to this person who you just met and, uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a, 
like a romantic relationship. You, know, you need to you need to go on a few dates first and like <laughs> exactly uh, take things slowly. And yeah, uh, yeah. If you listen to that's funny, like Y Combinator, a lot of their stuff is like it, co-founding is a lot like a romantic relationship in that you know if you jump straight yeah. in, it could work. Like there are arranged marriages that work just fine, um, or it could fall apart very spectacularly. So yes, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, try to take it slow, and and so we're working on the thing we want to build. We're doing it without contracts, which has its own problems potentially, but I think mm. it's better than saddling both of us with like a new company that we then have to dissolve mm. if things go poorly. Um, right. So, yep. How are you currently balancing uh, async.dev and this side project with the, the community builder that sounds like it's building into the the potential future of meeting place how how are you how are you thinking about allocating time and attention between those two projects yeah it was actually so part of the reason i started async uh, uh was actually just to try out tailwind 2 and a few other tools okay um yeah that's right and that's what i wanted to use on this new thing also and so in some ways async was kind of a stepping stone towards this anyway basically actually what i'm doing is taking the async.dev code about three days ago forking it and making mm. this new thing from that base you know it has users it has you know everything all set up yep. so um in some ways it was parallel work mm. um in other ways so async is a product where i know what version one is so it's probably there now but i'm gonna spend a few more days on it because i want it to be better um, but in a few days you know like i'll be done with version one and so I can then put that out into the world, get a few teams using it for several weeks and then collect their feedback. And while that's happening, then I'll start uh, the next thing. And so um, I'm not sure what the future will look like, like if they both do well, if, if async flails out, uh, you know, you know, fails horribly, then uh, that's mm -hmm. obvious. Just I could just drop that one. Um, but if they both do well, I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to prioritize both of them. Uh, but mm -hmm. right now I think I can kind of waffle between them a little. Um, so Jason Freed of Basecamp talks about this. He calls it TikTok development, um, mm. which is uh, an interesting concept, which I like a lot, which is you have two or more products and you sort of TikTok between them, like go between them. Um, so you work on one and then a few weeks later you work on the other. Mm. I I really like that um, it, as a concept. Uh, I, I have trouble focusing on the same thing all the time forever. And so if, you know, if I had two products that I could tiktok between i think that would be uh, completely like in line with how i work um it may or mm. may not be fair to whatever business partners i have so i have to think about that going forward you know like mm. you know i don't if she's working full-time and i'm working half-time that's not that's not a good arrangement so need to figure that out mm. um but yeah for, for now in the project stage i think just switching between them as needed is, is how i'm handling that i love it the, that's also very consistent with what I've read about historical disproportionately top performers like Da Vinci hmm. was working on, you know, the, the Mona Lisa, I think took him like years to finish because he was bouncing between that and, you know, inventing helicopters and right. uh, uh, war machines and uh, drawing and, and everything else he was doing. Uh, and I find my creative output is the most maximized when I have a few things that I'm working on. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out what that number is. I think it's more than two and it's definitely less than 12. 12 <laughs> is too many. Uh, and I, I, I don't, I don't know yet what the, the optimal range is in there. I think it depends a lot on like my energy and, and, uh, how tuned in my base level systems are, but 
I, I feel that a lot of, it's so important to give yourself time and space to let your subconscious percolate on the problems that you're thinking about. Because I'll, I'll sometimes come up with the solution to a coding problem I've been thinking about in a dream. And I'll wake up and think, oh, of course, it's this, this thing that I could have just bashed my head against the keyboard for another four hours and uh, gotten to this point eventually. And instead, I put it down and I went for a walk and I listened to a book and I had a very pleasant evening. And then the answer just came to me. Uh, that to, to, to be able to maximize creative and productive output, I think having things to be able to tick tock between is, uh, is very smart. And like you have the flexibility of doing this. It's, it's not like you have a boss that's hiring you to work on uh, meeting place. And, and if you're not putting 40 hours in, it's uh, you're, you're not going to get paid or, uh, and, and if you're working on anything outside the, the company owns it, uh, you have the freedom to be able to do this. So uh, yeah, I think what you're describing is feels like for me to be a very natural way to work and seems justified historically of uh, top performers work in a similar way. So I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see how it goes. <laughs> what are your goals for this next week? It sounds like you want to have a working prototype uh, in two weeks with the community developer. What's what's this prototype called? I don't, uh, what, what can I call it? Um, what will we call it? We'll, we'll call it the community prototype for now. If, if, <laughs> the community uh, prototype. If I call it what it actually is, it may. Yeah, we'll 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 see when I can actually release. You know what it's actually called. But okay, yeah. so community prototype. Uh, you are going to be pushing forward, TikToking between that and async.dev. And you said in a few days you'll be done with version one of async.dev. What is what does done look like? Yeah. So um, right now you can sign up you can do all the things you can post status updates and stuff um one thing mm. i want to have completed before this the the team that wants to to get on it done is either email reminders or a slack bot reminder um, they use a slack bot mm. today so if i could make a slack bot reminder then that would basically exactly replicate what they use today which seems like a really cool. good place um slack bot i think should take like a day to build so um that is the next thing that i that i have to look at so i would like a slack bot uh so this is my, my goal for next week is to have a Slack bot that reminds you every morning to post something on async. Cool. Is there a tangible goal that you can have for the community prototype that you can finish in a week? Um, yeah, uh, yes. Uh, uh, let me think about when next week is going to be. So, so having, yeah. So taking the, an old fork of async. Um, so users can already sign up. And then having it so that you can create an event series. Um, so, yeah, being uh, having a user able to sign up and create an event series would be my uh, goal for for the community prototype. Cool. Sounds like goals for next week are finishing the Slack bot that reminds you every morning to post something for async.dev, and for your community prototype. Uh, making it so that a user can sign up and create an event series. Does that sound right? That's it. All right. So how about you? How did you do on your goals for last week? My goals were to uh, do one palm every weekday on File Inbox with a beautiful plan to do it immediately after my Groovy mails. And I did it. And it was beautiful and wonderful. And I only did it three times. <laughs> Uh, we've only had six days since the last podcast. So there were only really four days that I could have done it in. Uh, and I was traveling 
driving up to St. Louis. So uh, success, it, it worked so well. Uh, slotting that time in immediately after a routine that I already had, uh, that's, that's a great solution. That's, I think, the way to do it. Uh, I've locked in now. <laughs> Atomic Habits works, folks. That's, <laughs> that's uh, my, my body and mind are so simple <laughs> that uh, I, I feel frustrated almost that the solution to it was that simple. Um, and, you know, once I started, I think one day I put like an hour and a half in when I only needed to put 25 minutes. So uh, I very meaningfully pushed forward the development of it. It looks much less ugly than the prototype that I showed you. Uh, you actually see a line for each file now. And, oh, it's so refreshing to, to just recode this from scratch, not worrying about the legacy of the code base and not relying on the architecture from before. Because all these ideas that I've had are just bubbling up of, oh, yes, of course, I can, I can architect this in this very clever way. And, oh, I can use this new icon set. And, oh, I can use Tailwind instead of Bootstrap. <laughs> uh, so it's just, it's just a delight to work on. Uh, I'm not even, I, I can't even explain what my mental block is to start working on it. I don't know why that was a point of friction two weeks ago. Uh, so that's working very well. The second goal that I set up for last week was to have a list of people uh, narrowed down from the list of all of my users categorized by industry. I wanted to take a look at that and analyze it for what the the single industry to look at would make the most sense. Uh, and then pick that list and be able to tell you like, this is the list of people that I'm doing. And I did that too. <laughs> and, uh, I realized in the course of doing this, this, this data is a year old now, which, oh man, that, that feels gross. Of like, <laughs> this is a project that I started a year ago and I, I didn't finish it. Uh, but it's fine. We're no guilt. Uh, we're, we're going to push it forward now. So the industry that I picked is finance. Finance, I have 65 users, which is the uh, biggest cohort of people using it, and also one of the highest value per users. Uh, on average, a user categorized as finance uh, has paid me $282, which compared to like, oh, what's a, what's a good one to compare this against? Education, the value per user is like $155, so uh, almost half, uh, and then people categorized as using it for personal reasons, <laughs> their, their average value is $54. So <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do them. Uh, a second contender, and I don't know if I want to TikTok between these two or if I want to set this up to, to do next, is printing. I have 37 users in the printing industry, uh, almost the same value per user, $287, or $278. Uh, and that feels much more focused. Finance sort of encompasses loan officers and banks also and it, it's a little looser uh actually talking through this i might i might actually want to do printing because <laughs> printing is printing would be much more straightforward yeah okay we're, we're gonna make that executive decision right right here live on this call there you go <laughs> printing. i'm focused on uh, on people doing printing and then uh might tiktok with people in finance i was gonna uh, ask might just do that afterwards yeah. in finance if you can can you break that down into subcategories so like i imagine there's accountants like wealth managers banks you yeah, know, yeah mortgage lenders or something i can't live on this call <laughs> and i that's a thing that i could do that i would like to be able to do uh it's a lot of loan officers i think loan officers is going to be the category of people that comes out of those the strongest uh both in terms of revenue and in terms of the biggest cohort within finance so maybe i do sign printers and loan officers uh and i'd like to confirm that with the data i'm also a, a goal for mine for this week is to update this data uh 
which is going to involve just like syncing it and then finding newer users and uh, mop up newer users. And then I want to start interviewing people. Uh, so next time we talk, I would love to either have already done or have something on the books of a call that I did with them. And that call, I think I'm just going to follow the mom test style interview, but also just keep it kind of loose. My, my goal is sort of vague of, uh, I, I just want to understand more about the people in this industry. So I think I'm going to approach this very honestly of like, I don't know a lot about sign printers. I would love to chat with you about what it's like running a sign printing business. And like, yes, I'm, I'm particularly interested in uh, problems that you have with getting files, but also I, I would love to just hear about you and how did you get into this and what are other problems you have? Do you, do you hate your landlord? Is that a, a problem that you have? And I'm thinking my hunch is if I have 10 of these conversations and I have what 37 people that I know of that I can pull from. So 10 seems like a very reasonable number. Higher level patterns are going to start to emerge of like, oh man, if these people had whatever, an, an automatic file converter that was flattening PSDs or a way to check what the resolution of a file is, I would save them so much time. And so now that's going to feed into uh, content that I, that I create. I've, I can use all these skills from this YouTuber class to film a beautiful uh, video of, hey, don't you hate it when you have to flatten your PDF and your resolution of your file is too low to actually print? Uh, here's my cute little screencast of showing you how to do that. Uh, and you're a sign printer, and I know all the sign <laughs> printer words. And this page is at fileinbox.com slash sign printers are awesome. Uh, I think that's the clearest way to start informing uh, marketing decisions and also product decisions. This is a, a conversation that we had, uh, I think two weeks ago of how do you know which features to build and are you building features or are you actually improving the product? There are so many things that I could just fall down this rabbit hole of, man, moving files around <laughs> sounds kind of boring, but like there's just this infinite space of things that I could do to make that better. And if I don't know who I'm building this for, if I don't have very clearly in mind, oh, I talked to Cindy last week, who's a sign printer, and Cindy said she had this problem, and so I'm going to make this feature to help Cindy with the problem that she told me that she had, and after I launch it, I'm going to send Cindy an email and say, hey, I fixed it, and then she's going to send me an email back that says, oh my gosh, this is saving me so much time, can I give you more money? And then I'll say, yes, of course, Cindy. Uh, if I'm not doing that, I'm just in this sort of vague, fluffy space of well, I'm going to make it better. How am I going to make it better? I don't know. Here's the list of all the features I'm going to do. I'm going to pull one out of a hat. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to uh, do a Salesforce integration or something. Uh, if I'm not hearing from real people that they want Salesforce integrations and that that is a thing that will improve their lives, uh, it's it's not a thing I should be focused on. So that's uh, that's where I am. That's what I'm doing. Those are those are my goals. What do you think? Yeah, it sounds like you're doing exactly uh, what I would say to do, which is like think about like. So you have file uploads that that exists in some workflow in in their in their day to day, and so um, yeah, so understanding exactly where in that workflow it fits is super valuable. And if you can solve, uh, I can't remember where I heard this, but basically, like once you get a foothold into a customer, like if you can solve adjacent problems for them, so like think about the steps just before and just after their workflow. You can do two things, which is one, you write content about it, which is great, um, and the other is if you can start solving those problems, so like they don't need another tool that you can capture the value that that other tool is capturing too. So like yep. Yep, yep. they're like they're giving your their clients your file uploader. They're getting signs mm -hmm. and then they're printing them. You know, th mm -hmm. there has to be steps that you can, you know, solve on both sides of that. And so yeah, I think that's super, yeah. super good. Um the other thing I would say is if you have these say you have finance and sign printers, um 
one thing to think about is how easily can you capture the attention of those markets? Um, so like if you call 20 sign printers and call 20 finance people and you get, mm. you know, one sign printer on the phone, but you get 18 out of the 20 <laughs> finance people on the phone and it's easier for yeah. you to get the finance people on the phone. So maybe you should focus there. Um, so yeah, like yeah. do some small experiments about, you know, how easily can you get in front of these two groups? That might be interesting. Okay. I like that. And that's, that's another, that's another, uh, vote in favor of doing TikToking of, um, if I'm trying to pursue two different groups at once and I find that one is so much nicer and so much easier to get in contact with and I just enjoy the conversations I'm having with them so much better. And I, I can define better as compared to the other group that I'm TikToking with. Uh, that that seems like a much more powerful decision. And it doesn't seem like that would dilute me too much of uh, having two lists of people that I'm contacting instead of one. Cool. Okay. I think that's... I think that's what I'm going to do then. If I'm splitting attention between uh, mortgage lenders and sign printers, I can, the, the benefit that I get is higher than the, the transition cost of working between those because now I have context of uh, how easy is it to get one of these groups on the phone as opposed to the other one and uh, how much do I like them and uh, how, how tractable do I think the problems that they're uh, solving are going to be. Yeah, okay, okay, that's clarifying. I'm going to pursue both at once. Um, and I love also how you framed the uh, value of knowing more of the context that file uploading is in the workflow of them. Because now I'm thinking, like, what if I could take over payments for one of these groups? That, that's a lot of money. Uh, if if I can now charge a percentage fee and maybe the, maybe the file uploading part is a free add-on and actually the value that I need to be providing to sign printers is a way that their customers can be paying online and uh, doing invoicing or something that, that sort of becomes a different product. And I'm not sure how I feel about that right now, but right. Uh, the, uh, well, that, that's like what Jordan Gall did and <laughs> one, of the, one of the most successful bootstrappers I, I know about. Uh, so I don't know that that's, I, I don't know that I can go wrong focusing on a particular group of people and just trying to, make their lives as great as possible. Uh, yes, the product may shift and uh, I, I might find out that there is a separate problem in the workflow that I'm currently in that would benefit them a lot. And I don't know that that's bad. Like, uh, I, I, I'm thinking I'm thinking in the, in the most extreme case, after having 10 conversations with sign printers, uh, I suddenly realize, oh my gosh, sign printers actually need... A, a, a command line utility to, <laughs> to convert between different things and, and they'll pay me so much more for it. Right. Uh, and it's a completely different product. There's zero overlap with file inbox. Uh, I think that's fine. I think, I think I just make that my new product that I'm TikToking between akin to your async.dev and then test that out. And maybe that becomes more successful and maybe not, but I'm, uh, you know, if not now it's a lead magnet for file inbox. Uh, if I'm, if I'm focused on the audience, that's that's the clarifying position to take. Yeah, yeah. At the very least, you have a lot of content out of it, and um, you can use the one phrase, uh, the one microconf uh, that I remember is the phrase was like, use the customer words. And that, like every speaker yep. basically yep. said, you know, interview your customers and use those words in your marketing. So whatever yep. they tell you, put that in all your content. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredibly valuable. I have a one last question uh and then i think we're wrapping up the episode uh these are so much fun by the way i'm, I'm so glad we started this uh i'm loving it i think i don't even know how many people are watching these or, or listening to the to the podcast i was surprised actually we had like 10 downloads of the the uh second episode i think yeah, yeah. Um, we have even more on youtube so check the youtube numbers 
Oh, I should check the YouTube numbers. Hey, how cool is that? Like, this this is a conversation that could just be lost to the ether. And instead, it's benefiting at least one other person that's listening to the conversations too. Okay. Uh, if you're a listener of Makers.dev, uh, reach out. I'd, I'd love to chat with you about, like, what, what you think about uh, these episodes. Uh, because, personally, if no one was listening to these, this would still be a very valuable exercise for me of, I listen to the recordings and I go back and watch the video and, and to get reminded of, oh, what was my rationale? Why did I, why did I decide to do this? What's my goal for last week? Uh, it's, oh, it's been, it's been so valuable. So my question is, I'm curious about turning interviews into content. I think the easy thing to do is just uh, record it for myself and transcribe it and take notes and then maybe turn it into a blog post or a case study. But I'm also thinking about, uh, I have this flow now of being able to have a conversation with someone and then turn it into a YouTube video and a podcast. Is it premature optimization to try to have conversations with customers that I'm recording and turning into podcasts? Is that too much to handle? Uh, Or is that content that I can get for free? And so why not? How how would you be thinking about that? Hmm. Um, I would think for anything you're going to produce that you want some someone to like listen to or subscribe to who is the person who's going to subscribe to that and listen to it more often or like like every mm. week so like if it's a podcast you're kind of expecting people to listen to it like every week and subscribe to it um mm. which may not be what you're after if you're if what you want is customers for your business um mm-hmm. instead maybe you start with things like so the most valuable things I could think of are, you know, can you use your customers' names and faces with quotes saying file yeah. inbox saves me 10 hours a week? Um, yeah, yeah. That'd be, I think the most valuable second might be like audio or even video clips. So not full podcast things, but like, you know, this is the feature I use and this is how it saves me time or money. Um, yep. uh, and then eventually if you find like you're getting really good stories out of it, like this real good narrative that you think someone would listen to many in a row, I think that's where you could really put a lot of time and effort into some kind of, you know, recurring series. Um, but, uh, until then I would be, I would be dubious about the, the, the value of like a, like a 30 minute podcast, you know, every week with Mm. some different industry. That's, that's kind of how I feel about that. Okay. That's clarifying. Thank you. I think I'm, I'm going to record it with the aim of getting testimonials and just getting to know these people better. And it would be gravy on top of that if I had a shareable clip that was just a nice little, I'm a sign printer and I love file inbox. And if I find that I'm talking to someone who has an interesting story that I feel like would start making interesting recurring content, now that's the point in the process where I can start thinking about starting a, an interview podcast or something. I would think this so, is yeah. this is too early in the process to try to be yeah. optimizing for also starting a podcast. <laughs> right. the, the other thing you could okay, cool. The other thing you could definitely turn it into is like a skyscraper post. Um, for anyone who's not familiar, skyscraper post is like a really long post about this is everything. So if you're a sign printer, this is everything you need to know about file uploading, including mm. templates and downloads, and you know, intersperse like audio and video clips into the post. Um, Ooh, I like that. And so like, as someone's reading, they can have, you know, a three minute clip of someone talking about how they use it. And then you kind of explain, you know, so those do really well for SEO. Um, they take a long time to produce, but if that's mm-hmm. really a segment you're going after, um, then yeah, just a big long post explaining exactly how you would use it. Um, might be, Love might it. do really well. 
that's the thing that I can be growing organically too. I don't, I don't have to come out swinging with the perfect post. Right, I can, right. after one interview, I can, I can write a draft of something that talks about how that person uses file inbox for their sign printing business and then be adding to that. I like the idea of interspersing testimonials and short video clips. That's a, that's a cool idea. Oh, and then, okay. I think, I think I do the post first and then after I've had my 10 interviews and collected all the important information from each of the uh, interviews that I've had in the skyscraper post, I think then making a video or a, some piece of content or pieces of content from that would, would become trivial. Um, a lady just kicked her dog outside. What a, that was terrible. Oh, Oh, <laughs> that's so sad. All right. New focus. I'm, I'm going to go deal with this lady. That's my new goal for the week. Uh, cool. Oh, man. That's, uh, that's all I got. All right. That's all I got too. go neat. Deal with, the I'll lady. see you. I've, oh, I'm going to, <laughs> I will, uh, see and, hear you uh next week all right and have a happy thanksgiving all right you too talk next week